Yes. It's once again time. Welcome to. She's so fun. Book time with Ben and Jeff. You're home for the. We're a bookish. What? We're here to talk books. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear okay, you. Okay, great. <clears throat> I can't. Did you hear anything I said? Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk stuff. about books. No, I didn't say that at all. My favorite book, the instruction manual for Super Mario World. Who do you think's better, Ramona or Beezus? Uh, I'm going to go with Ramona. Mm. How bold. about you? That's bold. I, I, like be- I, like be- I like Beezus. Okay. All right. I've always been more of a Beezus. Who do you think is better, Romy or Michelle? R- uh, Romy. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, undisputable. That's, that's what are we even. That's just. I, I'm almost offended that you would even ask. Uh, hello, welcome. This is the after show to the Giant Bombcast uh, called uh, Hot Party in Cold Town 2018. That's really good. Episode two. Hot Party. And let me write that down yeah, so I don't forget this, it. Yeah, this is good. <clears throat> so it's Hot Party. Uh huh. In. Cold Town, uh-huh. episode two. Now, um, up to this point, all of our episodes have been like something, something with Jeff and Ben. Um, why are we departing from that exactly? No, we're not. Okay, just put so with Jeff. It, put put with Ben and Jeff on the end. Sorry, of that. yeah. So let me rephrase it here. Our full title of this episode of the Bombcast After Show is "Hot Party in Cold Town," episode two with Jeff and Ben. Yeah, I like it. hot party, comma cold town. Okay, so I'm gonna edit colon up. episode O two in colon colon. Okay, it's episode O two colon colon with Ben and Jeff. With Ben and Jeff. Okay, I got it. Yeah, great. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really <clears throat> uh, innovative way of. How did you come up with the name "Hot Party in Cold Town"? Uh, uh, hot party, sorry, hot party, comma cold town colon episode two colon colon with Jeff and Ben. You know, sometimes just things just uh, come to me. You know, I'm something of a branding wizard. Uh, mm. And so a lot of companies come to me for branding advice when it comes to branding. Uh, yeah. What's like your favorite brand? That I came up with? Diet Coke. <laughs> that's pr- yeah. That's a really well-recognized brand. Yeah. Yeah. They, they weren't sure what to call it. They were like, Coke minus? And I was like, do not go with that, you boneheads. Uh, so it was me. I came. I came up with Diet Coke. Um, I also invented the stop sign. Oh, before they just had go signs. And yeah, and then that was just confusing because people didn't just thought in in lieu of sign, am I still to go? Did you hear that anecdote about um, there was some some state had like three cars in it, or some major city at you know tr- back yeah. back when cars were first a novelty and rolling out, there were like three in the same major town, and all three were in a collision. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a reason to come up with some laws yeah. at that point. Or You're like, all right, we got to, I mean. Seems like a stop sign at that point would have yeah, been a huge been thing. Like, it's hey. insane that they had to wait like uh, uh, hundreds of years. How old are cars? Eighteen hundred, fourteen ninety-two. The Columbus. Ford Camaro. The Chevy down. Camaro. The Ocean Blue. Yeah. A nice Ocean Blue Camaro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. T-top. Yeah. They don't make a, they don't make a T-top. Suicide They made doors. a T-top then. With suicide doors. That's a whole thing. They bolted it all together. 
Uh, yeah, I invented uh, yeah Diet Coke, stop sign. I invented Post-Its as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got some questions here from the chat, but also if you want to call in, if you want to get on the horn and talk at us, uh, instructions for using Discord to do exactly that are on the screen in chat right now. So you can uh, you can add us, then then write your question, yeah. and then Ben will call, give you a call if he likes it. I'm we'll, looking we'll for some on. some people to to pose some questions here, yeah. like talk about we were talking about fast food emulation, yeah, whatever's on your mind, yeah, as long as it's good, as long as it, what's on your mind is good. Uh, yeah. Let's see. What do I got out of the chat here? Uh, Chudamaru wants to know, have you guys locked down your Dragon Ball Fighters' lineup yet? What's your, how's your team looking? Uh, I have swapped out trunks. I'm currently working on a Android 16 Gohan mm. Goku Black team. Or Which one is 16? Is that the girl or is that the guy? That's the with, guy. Uh, with the saw, mohawk? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, uh, I've learned, friend uh, of the site, Crispy posted this combo that I kind of took and adopted to my team and I, I really like how it works and I really like having strong grabs in my mix-up game because a lot of people in, that I'm playing at my level are currently blocking a lot. Like there's a lot of people just going down back. Oh, sure. Um, and having a command grab as a way to open up and lead to like a 5,000 health combo is pretty good. Yeah, that sounds all right. Uh, I have not, uh, I, I don't know. I think I need to maybe get trunks out of my lineup, but I haven't necessarily made a lot of progress in that department uh let's see here uh kill slayer says have you guys ever used Fightcade? and if so what do you think i think it's neat that's the you know it's like a, GG, a ggpo style solution for uh hooked up to the emulator final burn alpha uh which runs arcade stuff uh designed to kind of you know have net play for you know Neo Geo games and you know, a lot of Capcom stuff. Yeah. And, and, and for a while there, if you wanted to play Windjammers, that was like one of the few ways you could play it online with, right. with other people. And it was the thing when they brought Windjammers by, talking to them about it, like, you know, they were aware that that sort of stuff existed. And it was kind of like, hey, if we can't beat, you know, if we can't do better than what they're doing, then what are we Why even doing? Why even bother? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I had some fun with it. It, it. It's like, it's cool to play you know, like World of Heroes 2, but then it's also cool to just dip in and I played like Breaker's Revenge for the first time. Yeah. And that was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that stuff's cool. It's cool that it works. I never, I have not spent a ton of time with it. Uh, I've gotten in there and been like, oh, this is cool that this is all here, but then, I don't know, I'll like join a lobby for a game and then kind of never get a match. There'll be like a few people in there playing with each other, very clearly friends or something like that, and I'm just kind of left out. So it's, it hasn't really, hasn't really happened. Uh, Super Jop says, uh, you talked about Ridge Racer and Wave, Wave Race, but what about Rage Racer? I mean, Rage Racer is a, is a Ridge Racer game. It's just like, that's, was that, that's Ridge Racer 3? I don't know what Ridge Racer is. It's dri- I, it's I didn't want to say it on the Bombcast. You but. drive cars. It's a car driving game uh, that originated in arcades that was a launch game on the PlayStation. I know that guy goes, Ridge Racer. Yeah, that one dude. And he's retiring. What? Yeah. He's retiring. He's, okay, he's I'm like, looking now. He's not going to be the Sony guy anymore. He's like, I'm going to go do something else. Tired of people just making fun of me for the time I said Ridge Racer. <laughs> Got to get out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Ridge Racer is 
famous for being a very arcade. It's a very weird handling model uh, in that it when you go around turns, when you lose traction. So like, let's say you're like drifting around a corner, you know, something you would do in, in an arcade driving game. As soon as you start to lose traction on the car, it almost just whips around the corner automatically as if on like a roller coaster track. Okay. And then, you know, so the art is like entering that tractionless state, getting whipped around the corner, and then exiting that tractionless state so you can start picking up speed again and doing that as well as you possibly can. And so it leads to situations where like you can do full 360 spins around a corner because the car is kind of automatically oh, whipping around this turn. Right, so you are, already have gravity, like fake gravity pulling yeah. you, and then you're and also, then you're also doing a sick spin. That's cool. Uh, which is like not realistic at all, but fun. Uh, and and yeah, so I don't know. I just, I always I always no. You know what? I didn't always like Ridge Racer. I actually really hated Ridge Racer for a long time because I played it for a long time not knowing that fact. And not understanding oh, how the drifting like works. This game feels like, I, bump wrong. Into, I bump into every corner. Like I'm having trouble. You know, like I'm slowing down for these curves. Like the answer is, you know, you you don't hit the, you don't hold the brakes. You tap it to lose traction and go whap around that corner and then straighten out and keep going. Uh, and it's a fun little. There's a fun little art to it, I guess. Uh, and I don't know. I always liked it. That sounds cool. That yeah. sounds all right. Yeah, it seemed. Uh, thoughts on E3 having hours dedicated to the press and not public from, uh, Forte EXE 21. Is that, I, I haven't been following. I know the tickets went on sale for E3, but I haven't really seen, uh, what they've, uh, what they're doing with that stuff. If it's going to be them having like separate press hours, that's probably a, a right move because it is hard to get things done. But like the show floor, you know, like you're seeing companies, the whole run of the show, the whole three days, whatever it is. Um, and having a ton of extra people on the floor makes it kind of harder to get anything done, even just walking from one place to another. Cause you know, like I, I don't, I didn't really take any appointments that were just like there on the show floor alongside every other attendee of the right. show. It's all back room stuff. It's, it's that getting there is a hassle. Just literally navigating the floor. Yeah. And also I, the larger thing was like seeing the way the show was built and going like, this seems like it'd be a bad time if you were here and didn't have any appointments to see games and you just had to stand here and wait in line for hours and hours and hours. And it seemed like a lot of people had a bad time for that. With this being another year, um, remo- you know, another year in on this whole public thing, I want to see if E3, if, if the people running booths at E3 start to reshape their booth to better handle large crowds yeah. and lines of people and theater experiences and stuff like that for people to do. So I've looked it up here, and this is coming off of a leaked E3 registration page. Um, and it says, on the 12th and the 13th, uh, it is open for press from 11 to 7 and 9 to 7, and public from 2 to 7 and 12 to 7, with the last day of it being open from 9 to 6 for everyone. Hmm. So it looks like three hours in the mornings for press only. That doesn't help anyone. There's already enough press going to that show that like the appointment schedule is kind of packed in a weird way anyway. Yeah, like I was going to one in the morning and then nothing until like 4 p.m. And yeah, that the fact like cramming that all into those first three hours just isn't going to happen. That doesn't that doesn't actually change anything. It'll be nice in the purely uh, selfish way of I'll get to walk around E3 before it's full of a ton of people and kind of take it in because I didn't get to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if you want to do that, we could always go the day before it opens. Yes, yeah. we'll have exhibitor like set up teardown stuff because we have booths and stuff. Wait, so. Can we set up and tear down stuff? We can't. Unions can. 
but okay. I'm not a union buster. Yeah. Don't cross the line. Don't be a scab. Oh. We uh, got a call lined up. Great. And uh, let's hear our caller. Caller, go ahead. Where? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name's Ryan. I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. Hello, Ryan. What's on your mind? Uh, I just had a question. Um, I was listening to Brendan Green from uh, Blue Hole talk about uh, the idea of uh, trademarking game mechanics. He was talking about how it would like uh, be like a push for creativity, and I kind of just wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. That it would that it would help creativity if things were trademarked. Yeah, he was saying that like there's too, I guess too much too many companies are piggybacking on each other or whatever. And he said that like while there needed to be checks in place to make sure it didn't go too far, he was saying that like he was saying that the that idea would like I don't know bring more creativity to the medium. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks for your call, Ryan. That sounds like. That sounds like something that's said by someone whose <laughs> concurrence just got passed by a very similar game would say. Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's... I don't. I do not see a, a reality in which patents would lead to more creativity. Yeah, it would lead to patent trolls sitting on. It would, it would like yo. I trademarked uh, jumping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it would lead to a lot of mechanics being. You know, a lot of this stuff got tested. You know, in the eighties and stuff when you know there were a lot of Pac Man like games coming out and you know Capcom sued uh, Data East over fighters history. Uh, Data East also was in a lawsuit with a different company over something like this, and I can't remember what it is now. Uh, Epic. Let me. Epics Inc. Capcom. Yes. Uh, what was that over? Uh, Capcom v. Data East. Uh, the video game Fighters History, which Capcom alleges infringes upon its copyrights for the Street Fighter Two series of video games. Karate Champ is the one I'm thinking of. The okay. Data East Epics lawsuit. So yes, uh, the the Fighters History Street Fighter thing. Uh, I I need to find the tapes. I think I still have the tapes. I lo- the lost tape. <gasps> I've Billy got the Mitchell. tape. I've had the tape the whole time. Um, I had a tape. A friend of mine was involved. He he was like an expert witness in the, or I, maybe just Capcom just sent it out to the press. I don't know. But he had tapes of uh, from Capcom alleging the infringing parts of Fighters History, uh, and so it was like this tape, this VHS tape from Capcom that was like, if you look at fucking fake duck king's cd spinning move and look at the sonic boom you'll see that they are kind of very similar and so it was like they were trying to say that fighters history was a street fighter ripoff which i mean it is a street fighter style game uh for sure but they were they were saying that it was infringing it was causing confusion in the marketplace because of the similarities in specific moves and they were trying to break it down that way and say like oh this move this projectile looks like this projectile which it did and didn't uh right and so like it was sure maybe inspired by but then you know you take some creative liberty with it on the reproduction end right uh yeah and so the epics i i I played some uh world karate championships international karate over the weekend uh which is a commodore 64 games on a lot of platforms uh, a Commodore 64 game that is basically a Karate Champ clone. Karate Champ being the red guy versus blue guy right. fighting game from which all of this shit kind <laughs> of sprung. Um, and, you know, like if you look at international karate, you look at it and go like, oh, they're they're kind of trying to make a Karate Champ style game, uh, which a lot of games of that era were knockoffs of arcade games. They often did their own thing along the way. International karate was pretty close uh, to the point where this case actually went Data East's way the first time. 
and then on appeal um on appeal uh i believe yeah uh it was reversed in favor of epic uh and i'm looking at this wikipedia page for this court case here extrinsic in extrinsic intrinsic tests and uh the judgment was reached the 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 flipped judgment the reverse judgment was based on the notion that no substantial similarity of expression will be found when the idea and its expression are inseparable and basically kind of saying like you you can't own karate (laughs) you know just because you made this video game that is this karate thing does not mean you get to own karate like what what would Let's say, for example, he was talking directly about PUBG. What do you copyright? 100 people jumping out of a plane? I guess. And then, like, you know, but then Fortnite's like, like, okay, we got 150 people. And they're on gliders. Yeah. And so the the feel is completely different. I mean, they're already in a bus. So. Right. And they're in a bus. And yeah. Uh, or you could change it to be like, okay, fine, just everyone spawns at a random location. I like you know? I, I see in a really roundabout way where he's coming from, but I think the type of creativity he's talking about is a very shallow type of creativity where it's more of like, how do I copy this without exactly copying this? Which isn't creativity. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah. I, I don't I don't agree with the notion that that having like stronger protections in place for like these types of gameplay concepts that aren't really enforceable, I, I don't think that, that would necessarily help. Uh, and, and, and that's, a sh- you know, I like, I wish that there was a way to stop like cheap knockoffs of games. You know, when you look at some of the stuff that comes out on steam and on iOS, but I think that that stuff is like, Hey, they're literally stealing assets from games and trying to create confusion in the marketplace, which is the thing that's supposed to be enforceable right. when they're saying, calling it like we call it player and <laughs> battle test or you know whatever the fuck or zombie fest you know it, like like that sort of stuff is is the law is supposed to already protect those sorts of cases and i think it's a shame that like the platform holders on you know the case that you know of, of steam uh and and you know on the on the apple app store and you know i guess you know google play and all that sort of stuff like that that stuff just gets slips through the cracks so frequently that you get these knockoffs uh showing up uh like for mobile it's it's a serious problem that like indie developers on those platforms have said like hey you know like the clones just come and they try to outspend us on advertising so people search for our game name they get this other game instead and you know it's a whole thing um and i think that that sucks uh Subsequent cases that cite the data east via epics case contend over the copyright of the graphical user interface such as Apple v. Microsoft. Wow. Yeah, so it sounds like this Data East Epic's Karate Champ case actually ended up getting referred to uh, a handful of times over the years, including when uh, the Data East and Capcom thing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Data East's largest objection in court uh, to, when they were accused by Capcom for stealing Street Fighter Two was, we made Karate Champ. <laughs> like, yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that is kind of the game that, that started all this in, in a lot of ways. Um, but we can talk about the science of early fighting games. Soon. 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 So, so soon I can taste it. It's, it's, honestly, we were so close last week <laughs> to get it. Mm. Soon. Things are in motion now. I'm getting... Junk ripped out of my foot on Thursday for the last time. 
Yeah. Now will be nice. You're going to put some new junk up in there? No, I think it's going to be junk free. All right. <laughs> Sounds boring, but you know, whatever. It's your foot. Uh, let's see here. Asking about an early 360 demo that's not ringing any bells. A rainy night type of setting. It's from a little wask. I think it was a guy being chased by police. I want to say the creators said it wasn't a game. Does that sound familiar? What? I want to say, like, is that Frame City Killer? It's the only thing I can think of. But but no, I, I don't know. Uh, Vorpal says, on emulation, I love when official re-releases like the recent Final Fantasy ports to PC and PS4 add a fast-forward feature that doesn't change the speed of the sound effects and background music. Is that something that could realistically be added to emulators? You know, I mm, I don't know. I mean, anything's possible if you work at it hard enough, but like whether it's something you could do like automatically or you could build a, a, a setup that fast forwards the game with keeping the audio the same pitch and stuff like that. Like, I don't know that that would work. I know like Vice, the C64 emulator, uh, just turns off audio when you try to bring it into like warp speed mode to get your load times faster. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it's something that could be done, but whether it would be realistic to do it for an entire library, for an entire platform or something like that without having to like sample all the sound effects and make sure they play at the right speed separately and store all these files locally, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't I actually don't. I don't have the answer. Uh, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing so great. In fact, that I have lined up a telephone call for us. Not really a telephone call. This more of like a telephone a call, weirdly. Internet computer uh, machine man call. Hello, internet computer machine. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, uh, this is Patrick from Austin. Hello, Patrick from Austin. What's on your mind? Yes. Uh, so I've uh, I've been in a bit of a funk lately in just general life terms. We uh, all have. I got a switch for Christmas and. Uh, after diving into a bit of Zelda, well, putting a hundred hours into Zelda, uh, just jumping into Mario and then playing Mario Kart. And then just the entire feel of the system is, seems really special and exciting and new and happy in a way that games haven't been for a while. Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know if Nintendo, I feel like they have this really special thing going right at the moment, but I don't know if they can keep it going. Like, this first year was so good for them. I just don't know if they can keep it going. Right. And I wanted to see what you guys would uh, think about that. I mean, I think it's, you know, like, they, they put out a, a Mario and a Zelda game in year one, both new products, you know, from the ground up. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, technically Zelda came out on the Wii U, but, you know, they, they put out two of their heaviest of heavy hitters in the first year, which, you know, is a big deal. So you start to wonder, like, okay, well, what do they got? you know, for next year, what do they got for the year after that? Uh, in a, in a world where they traditionally don't put out a ton of games in the melt Mario or Zelda franchises, uh, on the same platform, you start to wonder, but you know, there's, there's comments from Miyamoto about wanting the switch to last longer than this typical console cycle. So maybe with that comes a certain, um, easing in the idea of like how long they should wait between Mario and Zelda games. Maybe they turn around sequels pretty fast for those or something. But um, 
in terms of like yeah. keeping it special i don't know i i you know i think those games were special but the i'm i'm having trouble with the platform as a whole because a lot of the stuff that i think people are getting hyped about for the switch are things that i've already played on pc or or other <sighs> platforms you know like uh we got a i got an email that was like hey here's dragon quest builders for switch and i was like oh rad and i was like oh I'm, i already have a save game on ps4 like i don't want to touch it I think it, it's it kinda, yeah I get I get that yeah I, I think it kind of comes down to you know individual players and, and the the games they have and haven't played uh, the Switch has been great for just getting you know because like there are big games on the Switch that attract you to the platform but it's not like Nintendo is dumping a zillion games on it at least in year one which I think has made it a great opportunity for smaller developers to find an audience. Right, and I think that's 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 got to be special. Did, did you end up playing a lot of smaller games on the Switch? Uh, I have uh, not yet, just okay. for uh, uh, money reasons. Also, I was just so deep into Zelda that honestly, whenever I was uh, finding myself drawn to the Switch, uh, I was just yeah jumping yeah. right into trying to find shrines or whatever. But right? No, yeah. I've got uh, Night in the Woods and a couple of other things mm-hmm. uh, that are queued up for when I reconnect my switch to Wi-Fi, So I, I am going to use it as my indie machine as well. Cause yeah, I, I think that I that's a, that's a tremendous use for it. Uh, and yeah, I, I think there are a ton of great games that have come out on that platform. Uh, you know, like great smaller releases that you're just like, man, these, these games are fucking killers. They're so good. Um, yeah. and you know, in, but in a lot of cases they came out elsewhere. So it kind of depends on, you know, Hey, if you've already played these games, then you look at the switch lineup and be like, okay, all right, yeah, no, disc jam, disc jam, coming to Switch, cool. Yeah. All right, I, play, I played a lot I, of disc I jam. Never, uh, I never, I should have said this as well, but I also feel myself when I want to just sit down and just enjoy something now, mm-hmm. instead of going to, like, my current AAA machine, which was my Xbox One X, I just went to the Switch because yeah. the X just felt too serious and serious games, like... Yeah, I, I think there's, I mean, there's also that concept of just, like especially if you're saying you've been in a funk lately, there's something about the very familiar warm blanket feeling of, you know, Mario and Zelda specifically, I think both are really good at just being like that kind of cozy video game, right? Uh, Night in the Woods is actually like a really pretty good for that as well, I think, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I think those are just like some warm, feel-good video games that are like perfect for that. For me, uh, a big one right now is being able to take uh, Stardew Valley on the go mm. for the Switch. Uh, that's huge for me. Oh, that's still on sale. I need to grab that. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. a that's a good ass game. Well, cool. Thanks for your call. No, thanks. And uh, Jeff, one last thing. Mm-hmm. I was that idiot who sent you that Tumblr message about uh, trying a trying a cart, as it were. Oh, great. All right. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Do- I, I honestly think they stopped doing the coding, but that's a different discussion. I don't know. I've got a sealed copy of uh, of um, uh, Wonder Boy around here that maybe we could test. No, no, I'm not. No, Ben, you want to no, taste? I'm, an, I'm not saying it. do it. I'm just saying All maybe right. it's a question. I'll do anything. Ask. Ben will do anything. He does it for the gram. Uh, cool. Thanks well, for your thank call. Thank you guys. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That guy got high and put a switch cartridge in his mouth. Oh. I I would recommend against and said it didn't taste like anything. Both of those, which made me think he was probably just too high. It's too high, but maybe it's only the first party games. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I have no <laughs> idea. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a <laughs> lot of sense. 
uh, uh, let's see here. I just tasted this microphone accidentally. It's bad. Mm, I pressed my face into the microphone earlier to answer an email on the previous show, and it was gross. Uh, Ruben Cosmo says, on the topic of Switch and emulation, do you think uh, that GameCube or Wii content will will be released as virtual console content? Uh, I think they would rather probably sell you Wii games over again in some kind of form, uh, especially Wii games based on any kind of motion. I don't think they're going to just put that out on the Switch untouched. Uh, I think they would probably do some work there. So yeah, there'd be some games that would still fit in that mold that don't really use motion uh, much at all. Um, and then GameCube, yeah, I, I could see them selling that as downloads. I think that, that's certainly possible. I'm wondering, like, I think I don't think they're ever going to use the term virtual console. No. And I, I think it's a dumb term that, like, people are constantly like, where's the virtual console? It's like, oh, you mean, like, selling old games in the store? Yeah, like, literally like every everyone else platform. Is, yeah, like, every platform does. Like, it doesn't need a, a label. Because you're still playing on a... It's also... Yeah, it's such a stupid word because you're playing on a real console. Well, the Switch is a, is a handheld. It's totally different. So it's virtually a console. Um, yeah, I think I could I could see both of those, but the, the, they would probably... I, I would like to see them do work to some of that stuff uh, and uh, not necessarily just sell it as, hey, here's this old game again. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it'd be, they, could, they could do better than that uh, with, with those games in particular, you know, uprising them, whatever they end up doing. Uh, yeah. How you doing over there? I'm doing well. You want to take a call? Let's do it. All right. Let's hear from our next caller. Caller, go ahead. Who is this? Where are you? Hi, it's uh, James from London. Hello, London <coughs> James. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I had a question about um, Celeste. I don't know if you played it yet. Yes. Yes, uh, Ben finished so, Celeste. I have not. So I've been playing it a lot, and I've been uh, trying to get some of the more difficult secrets. And uh, Celeste has this assist mode, which... Uh, a lot of people have been praising uh, double jumps, as many as you want, invincibility, that kind of thing. Set your own difficulty, basically. Right, yeah. Um, when I see people talking about some of the secrets that they got, I'm kind of, I can't decide, when I find out that they use the assist mode to get it, I can't decide if it undermined my accomplishment and if that's a game problem or if that's just a me problem. You know, how I, what I consider my accomplishments is whether I beat other people, you know. How do you feel about games that offer the same, reg- same rewards regardless of difficulty? I think it's fine in this case. I, I think that especially when you look at the way they describe the assist mode in their own menus and kind of say like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you know, it, like it's almost like an access- accessibility thing. Like, hey, maybe you, you need this uh, to play the game at all. Um, like Celeste knows how difficult of a game it is. It's not like it, it's it, right out the gate. Like you, you can you can beat Celeste. If you're not amazing at platformers, I feel like that's a game you can like still kind like if you really push through, you can beat it. But a lot of the stuff around it is very difficult, and it's it it doesn't want to cut that off just because you're not good enough. Which I mm. I had a similar reaction to you at first when I when I knew when I learned that you could use the assist mode for basically everything. I was kind of like, oh well, what's the point? And then I realized, I mean, it comes down to why you play these games. And yeah. for me, That's, the reason I play yeah, these games... I meant by a me problem. Yeah. yeah. 
is that I want to prove to myself that I am good enough that at learning these mechanics, at mastering these mechanics, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I've, uh, I've been trying to decide if uh, the, the accomplishment I'm trying to get by, because I was attracted to it being so difficult. That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. I want to beat it. But does me beating it, does the reward for me beating it is because I know other people won't be able to beat it or should I just be playing against myself and I can't decide? I think, you know, I think like, it's it, probably a me problem. Yeah, I think it probably is. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you'll always know what you did uh, and that's the important thing. And, you know, you just because the game doesn't necessarily point out like, you know, I don't think there's a trophy in there for beat the game without turning on assist mode. Right. That would kind of defeat. I feel like that would defeat the whole purpose of the assist mode and the yeah. way in the way they present it. But you'll always know. Would it make you feel better if there was some kind of extra icon on screen at some point that was like never enabled assist <laughs> mode? I think uh, on you know there's the um, she has that travel card and she has stamps on it. I think if you have the assist mode on ever, you get a stamp, and if you never turn it on, you don't. Ah. So you can always take a screenshot of that and yeah. prove it. But so Celeste isn't actually the perfect example of this question. If it offered the exact same awards, would that be okay? I think you're saying it is, and that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. <laughs> thanks for your call, James. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah, bye. Brinty writes in and oh, says, "Here we go." First time writer. Uh, there was a comment from Nintendo recently uh, that said they had plans that would make people feel the wait for their online was worth it. What in the world do you think they could offer? Is that included NES library going to be big? Is it like PS Plus style indie games? Yeah, like I, I'm give me not, a free copy of Donkey Konga. Yeah, you don't even need the bongos. Just give me the game. Give me the game and some cardboard. Yeah, like print out print out bongos. Or I could use like the the Switch Joy Cons and your Let's Tap boxes. Yeah, you still have them? No, mm-hmm. it was such a weird box. Yeah, it was only like this. Tall, this it, wide. Well, it had to be. It had to be like. But it, it didn't have like a bottom. Yeah. It was like it had to be like very flimsy so yeah. that it would move when you tapped the box. Yeah. I just laid down on my couch, put the box on my chest, put the controller on my chest, and played it like this. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of novel. It was novel enough where yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know what they. I mean, yeah. Like I, I think, and then this is how I always felt about Nintendo's, like old game stuff is, is this needs to be a Netflix style situation. This needs to be something where they're like, Hey, it's like damn near unfettered access to a, a huge part of their library at any time for a fee. Uh, and that gets hard because a lot of the games, a lot of the third party games, you know, you have to go back to those third parties and do deals. You'd have to license for licensed games. There's a lot of stuff that would happen to happen around that. Um, but I think that's what I want. And, and I think that would be worth paying for because it gets back to the root of like, hey, look, like there are a zillion websites out there with very easy ways to download every single 8-bit Nintendo game ever made. Yeah. All of the There's bad ones that dumps, are them in Flash. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go to a website and just play them there. Super Nintendo, same deal. Um, you know, Genesis, same deal. Like, like all that stuff is so out there now. Um, that if you're going to have a service and charge people for it, like it needs to be, it needs to deal in convenience the same way that like a streaming service for the same way, the same reason people take Spotify and Apple music instead of continuing to pirate MP3s because they're like, Oh, you know what? $10 a month is worth it. 
for me, for whatever reason, where they're like, oh, like morally, I feel like me paying this $10 to Spotify is better than downloading all these MP3s for nothing. Even if the money doesn't necessarily work out in the end, as a consumer, you feel like you've done the work. Um, and, you know, I think Netflix, uh, as, as bandwidth improved and movie piracy became a bigger deal, like at some point Netflix and, and, and a lot of the other video services have evolved to be like, hey, you know what? It's just easier to pay us this fee than it is for you to dick around and, and potentially expose yourself and your IP address and torrent this and do all that. Like, just pay us. It'll be fine. And I think a lot of people have taken to that because they were, you know, not pirates at all or they were casual pirates at best. And the convenience factor matters for them. Right. Not to say that there isn't still music and movie piracy happening, but it's happening for people that are like willing to jump through the hoops to do it still. So games, I think, need to have a similar reckoning of like, hey, we know it's like damn near trivial for you to fucking just go download all this shit and prototypes and betas and all this other stuff that's just fucking floating around out there. You can have every damn game on a thumb drive. Carry it with it wherever you want. Who would do that? Who indeed? <laughs> but Nintendo needs to make it easier and more convenient for people to pay them for a similar level of access. Uh, I think that has to be the thing. If if it's if it's hey here's Balloon Fight and Doctor Mario, yeah, like fucking no. Like oh, I, I already own four copies of both of those games. Like you know they put Balloon Fight out for the GBA at some point, also, right? Balloon Fight sucks. Oh come on, Balloon Fight sucks. It's, it's joust for it's babies. Joust for babies, but that's still cool. The Balloon Trip mode is good. Okay. Like base level. I don't balloon like the fight. music either. I love the oh the balloon trip music is so good. I don't I don't know if I remember the balloon trip music. I well, don't like the balloon fight music. Balloon fight music. I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. It's not it's here. Not I like, can I can play it in here. Okay, you you look up the balloon trip music and just play it because it's some of the best. Oh, this is the one I don't like. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my remix? No. <laughs> Listen to that bass line. Okay. I just don't like the beginning. I like this. Yeah. What's the regular balloon fight music? Balloon fight. There you go. Oh, I don't like this. Yeah, this is dope. Now it's just suggesting I watch Puyan videos. <laughs> I got a Puyan video for you. <laughs> it's not allowed on YouTube anymore. <sighs> Are you able to find original balloon fight music? Uh, balloon fight OST. <laughs> Here we go. You download the VGM. That's not. That's no. That's a remix of the balloon trip music. <laughs> Oh, sorry. This is Wii Guy's 8-bit stereo. He's got a power glove on and a shirt with Luigi. This guy rules. I think it's all the same song, Jeff. It's good, though. Alright, look, just look for a, a Balloon Fight NES video and then this load is, it up. NES gameplay, Balloon Fight. I think there's only one song, Jeff. Totally different. Okay. It doesn't have music. It's that's the answer. 
Oh yeah, this is good. This is good shit right here. That little bit's good. The end of level stuff is good. All okay. I'm gonna say it. All the music and balloon fight. Good. Best VGM, 632nd place on the best VGM score. What's above it? Uh, 631 is the Frangle Forest from Trine. Let's hear a little bit of that right now. Coming in at number 631, Frangle Forest. Carol wrote in to talk about her dog who passed away. It was named after Frangle Forest, her dog Frangle. <laughs> Want to send this out to her? The letter U and the numeral 2. This, this is not bad. It's uh, not better than the fucking balloon fight music. I'll tell you that much. I'll take it up with Supra Danky. Dear Supra Danky, fuck the fuck off. <laughs> Hugs and XOXO. <laughs> Love mom. Uh, and this is fair use because we're offering criticism of the music. That's right. And of Super Dank. <laughs> uh, a Rad Skull. Do you have any calls over there? You got to take uh, one more nope. call? Okay, all right, good. Uh, a Rad Skull writes in and says, uh, I just bought a PVM for 200, a mon- which is a monitor, very fancy monitor, for $200, which led to me buying $80 worth of SCART cables. Which also led to me buying an SD to SNES, which is a Super Nintendo flash cart that is, I believe, around $200. And he just says here, help. <laughs> well, Jeff, can you help? Um, no, <laughs> you already spent the money. I understand the sickness. I know how it happens. Uh, but I've, I've managed to avoid those particular holes. I think the super NT actually is, is keeping me off of that. Uh, though the super NT would work with a flash cart. Uh, I just don't have a functional SNES flash cart. So here's my advice. Find somebody who loves you and cares about you and can tell you to stop. And then don't listen to them. And then, anyway. And do it in secret. Yeah. Cause it'll make it feel even better. That's right. And you're secretly wasting the money on that stuff. And then one day they wake up and say, hey, what happened to, we had money at one point. There's no food here. And then you're like, leave me alone. Was, I'm I playing, don't need to eat. I don't need to eat. I'm playing the fucking illest Super Mario World ROM hack you've ever seen. Yoshi's yellow. Yeah. Yellow Yoshi. That's, that's the only difference. It's yeah. the illest. Uh, 4TXE says, yeah. Jaundice. Yeah. A jaundiced Yoshi is the most dangerous of Yoshis. It's also my username on the site now. I'm changing it in. <laughs> jaundiced Yoshi. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here. Um, oh, yeah. Fisk Zero says, don't forget the hot rod shop music. You, you want to hear that? All right. All right. Don't forget the what? Hot, hot rod, rod shop music. All right. Hot, hot Rod Parts Shop. Coming in at 433. Hot Rod Parts Shop. Listen to that. It's the Fantasy Zone music, but like a different mix of it. The Fantasy Zone shop music is also good, but the instruments here, I think, make this one better. Thanks for joining us this week's Colin show. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Be back next week. More thing. Oh, oh, that was it. It's 22 seconds yeah, long. It's a short, it's a short loop. Well, here comes a remix to take us out. Let's hear this. 
That's a good oh, this pitch. is just gameplay yeah, from that's just Hot the end Rod. of race. Yeah, or start of race. <laughs> well, Hot Rod's a good game, too. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. We'll be back next week with uh, more of your questions and comments and questions. Ben? Hey, Jeff. I hope you have a great week. Hey, you too. Let's play some fighting games.